see if we can get this turned on. We on? And see if we can get this backed up. Yeah. All right. My friends, I thank you. Uh, My wedding anniversary seems to be associated with Africa in a special way. This year, on my wedding anniversary, I hopped on a plane to go to Africa. Three years ago, I was on my way back from Africa when we got stuck in Paris due to an airline strike. Howard and I enjoyed Paris. My wife was here. It was my anniversary. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the end of July, the, the first couple of weeks of, of August, I was in Togo. The reason that I was in Togo, tell me, Jim, if that ever changes when, when I don't expect it to. <laughs> Some 40-plus years ago, I, I can't give you an exact number anymore, uh, but in excess of 40 years ago, Walter Bryan uh, started working with an evangelist who wanted to go to Togo. Uh, he, he, was, he was native Togo. And he said, we, we need to start preaching here in Togo. And so Walter said, okay, I, I will help you do that. The, the evangelist that he was working with is Gebetema Kuasai, who we call Tall Paul because Tall Paul is about six foot five and he is very tall for, for an African. And he stands very straight, uh, much straighter than I do, uh, but he's very tall. And so some 40 years ago, 40 plus years ago, uh, this ministry began. And many of you will remember Walter. Uh, it's hard to believe that uh, it's now been six years since Walter has, has died. Uh, Walter, Walter lived to the age of 100 and was uh, very much involved with this up, up until the, the time of his death. But a few years before that, he tapped me because I had been given the title, title, who knows, <coughs> deacon in charge of missions. And so Walter said, I need somebody that's going to look after the Togo missions because I'm not going to live forever. And it was me. So every so often we go to see what's going on. Well, there we go. Maybe that's the one I need to press. Where is Togo? Togo is in Africa. And if you haven't heard of it, you're not alone because until Walter tapped me on the shoulder, I hadn't heard of it either. Togo, where's that? <clears throat> Somewhere back in, you know, about the sixth grade, I had done a, uh, one of these school projects on Ghana. I found out that Togo was right next to Ghana. But it's been a long time since I was in sixth grade, so I didn't know much. So if we, if we enlarge this a little bit, 
Togo is this long strip of land. It's about a third the size of the state of Oklahoma in terms of land area. And it's got somewhere between seven and a half and eight million people in it. Compared to Oklahoma's, what are we, about three million people? On a good day. <laughs> so a, a lot of people in a fairly small land area, this is one of the poorest countries in the world. The, uh, when, when you look at the gross domestic product, it, it works out to something like uh, $1,000 a person for the year annually. I mean, the, the, this, this is a very poor country. The capital, if I can find it, the capital is down here in Lome. That's also the largest city, about a million and a half people, probably more when you include the, you know, the environs around it. The country itself is divided into five or six uh, areas, regions, maritime uh, down here in the south, then the plateau region in there, the central region, Kara, and finally Savanes. And there's like 30 different provinces scattered among those five. But <clears throat> I, I wanted you to see this because I'm gonna talk about, we went to a number of cities and we spent most of our time here in Lome, in the capital. But one of the first places we went to is the, the city of Kara, which is the, the namesake city of, the, of the, that region. And it's here in the, in the north. And from there, we went back down to uh, Atapame, which is um, yeah, in the plateau region here, back to Lome, went over to Palame, back to Lome, went over to Vogon, back to, to Lome. Um, the, trip, the trip from Lome to Kara is 400 kilometers, 400 kilometers, about 250 miles. We're talking eight hours by car, okay? And it's got pretty good roads. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, you, you don't think so much how, how far is it, but how long does it take you to get there? Because it's, it's really, travel is, is really not easy sometimes. Uh, and so <clears throat> I, I took a picture one morning. We we're waiting for the traffic light to change. Uh, and I called the share the road. You know, when we drive along, you see the, the little, uh, sometimes a sign, sometimes it's, it's a, a bicycle image icon in the, in the roadway that says share the road. <sighs> Folks, we ain't got nothing like they do. <laughs> One of the reasons that you don't average very high speeds is because you're going along a two-lane highway it's occupied by trucks that occupy about three quarters of the total road width, so you're you know dodging them because they're they're huge trucks. Uh, you've got motorcycles, which are the you can you can tell here primary mode of transportation. You've got cars, you got pedestrians, you got three-wheeled taxis. 
Now, what's a three-wheeled taxi? Well, it's kind of a motorcycle with a box on it. The three-wheeled truck actually has the front end of a motorcycle, and then at the back of it is, is a, a small uh, four-foot-by-four-foot box for a, for a, a truck, and, and they, they run a, an axle instead of just a, a single tire. Uh, but think about that. Enclose it and make it like a, a taxi cab. Not very stable, not very fast, and filled with people. And so cars, motorcycles, scooters, bicycles, pedestrians, large trucks, and the three-wheelers. And all of those are on one road. Every road. So... uh, Every day when we finished, I was grateful. I was grateful that we had lived, but I was more grateful that we hadn't killed anybody. Because I, I think that was, you know, the distinct possibility at, at every time. From our hotel, uh, there's, there's a little lake, and the fishermen were out there every day. And I don't know if you can see this. That, I don't think, is a boat. It's, it's more like a little raft. And they would be on this and casting nets. You know, it's, it's really the first time I paid any attention to somebody fishing with a net. And they'd cast the net and pull it back in, sort through it to see if they'd caught anything, which didn't happen very often. They'd shake the net out. They'd cast it again. They'd pull it in. They'd look through it to see if they got anything. Shake it out. Cast it again. And over and over again. And I I realized that what I was looking at was the kind of fishing that would be common in Palestine or Israel uh, in, in the time of Christ. I mean, they're still doing it the same way. Some kind of a little simple flotation device, a simple net that they cast, pull in. If they get anything, he's got a little floating basket that's just on the back side of, of this. And so he can put the fish in there and the fish have a hard time jumping out. Uh, but it, it, it floats in the water, and, and that's where he puts the, the catch over and over. We saw some of them walking along the shore doing the same thing. They're, they're about, you know, uh, hip deep in water, casting the net, pulling it in. And as I, as I thought about that, you know, what's, what's the verse that comes to mind for me? It's, I will make you fishers of men and uh, it was just it, it struck me that I was I was seeing fishing not the way I would do it with the rod and reel but the way that it was done in Palestine <clears throat> baptisms 
and I did not witness this one. This is one that they've sent me a picture of. Baptisms are often done not in a nice clean baptistry, but wherever there's water. And of course, the, one, of the, one of the stories that I used uh, as, as I preached with them was the story of the Ethiopian eunuch <coughs> who said, see, here is water. It's not clean. But one person at a time, they go down into the water and the church grows one person at a time. The church in Africa is growing fast. And the thing that, that I tried to let them know, <clears throat> in America, we actually are seeing a serious decline in our churches. Serious decline. Not so in Africa, not so in India, and a few other places, but in Africa, the church is growing, and in Togo, it's growing very, very rapidly. This is a group of people uh, on the western side of, of uh, Togo near Palame. They've got a, a little minivan painted nice and red. It's a, it's a gospel chariot. There are some other gospel chariots in Africa that are semi-trucks. This one is not quite so big. This one is the mini gospel chariot, the small one. Still effective, uh, but I uh, wanted to show that to you. <clears throat> Last week, Mel Latore was here. He showed us these beautiful buildings down in Brazil. Okay. Well, this is, this is one of the better buildings. It's in Lome. It's the Hedronowo Church. Uh, this is the outside. Uh, so you can see it's a couple of stories high. Uh, this is open air ventilation. Okay. And, and they actually, it's, it's a tin roof, and that's, that's open at the ends. It's open on the sides, and despite all that openness, it's poorly ventilated. You can sweat to death in this one. <laughs> it's one of the better churches that we found. How about this one? This is one that they wanted to show me because it's been recently built. Once again, a tin roof. It's a raised concrete floor, except when you get inside. I think it's only a raised foundation because when you get inside, it's, it's dirt inside. It's, it's bamboo, bamboo sides. Uh, it's kind of dark inside. Uh, it's, it's open at each end. The, where, where the roof is pitched, you, you're open at each end, so you get a little ventilation through it. Paul Paul takes me aside and he says, Lynn, remember, he says, we need some benches to go in this church building because the people can't afford to, to make benches. Benches. Benches look like this. Piece of, piece of lumber with supports at, at both ends. 
little triangulation to brace it. You can actually sit on them for quite a while, but you know, you can't lean back. They also use a lot of these plastic lawn chairs. <coughs> I think they all come from China. This, this is the, uh, a church in Vaughan. Uh, it's got one brick wall and all the rest of it is, is bamboo, tin roof. So I'd, I'd say that's, that's fairly typical of things. You, you've got a, a pole support. It's a wooden, wooden pole that's holding up rafters that are going across. <coughs> Folks, they are, they are not in air-conditioned comfort with nice padded pews and yet their services will go for two two and a half sometimes three hours okay these are these are folks that are dedicated they're joyful they like to sing they like to sing loud okay There's a few songs that I started to pick up on. Uh, there, there's one that they sing half the time, half of it is in French and the other half is the same words but in English. And if you listen to it long enough, you begin to figure out, okay, uh, this is the French and this is, this is the English. If you go in and, and look at the front of their, their church buildings, there's usually a chalkboard there, and they indicate who's, who's up for service on a particular day. And they don't say songs, they say chants. And that's really what they're doing. Uh, there's, there's no song books. And the, the song leader will give them a part of the, of the line of the song or maybe the entire line of the song and then they'll sing it. And they know the songs pretty well, but he's, this is the way he announces it, you know, to, to give them a, a portion of that next line and then they sing that and a portion of the next line and they sing that. And they're, they're really pretty simple. Uh, a lot of them are in a language I have no understanding of at all because while French is one of the official languages and I had a little bit of French 50 years ago, uh, Away is the, the more typical language and I have no idea what they're saying when they do that. Fairly typical church building. <coughs> This is, this is a day he was interpreting for me. Uh, I'm trying to explain something to them. Uh, you can see I'm not getting through to them because I've got this crazy look on my face. <coughs> but we're, we're doing a seminar. Here's Wendell, Wendell and Rochelle Wardell. Uh, she was a, a Maddox, right? Yeah. An aunt to Chuck. Uh, Wendell and Rochelle went 
and they're from Cooksville, Illinois. Their church supports a number of the evangelists over there in Togo. Uh, when I've traveled, uh, Wendell has always been there to, uh, to kind of guide me. Um, in the middle here is Kofi, and he is interpreting for us, and we are, we are praying, and so we'd say our words in English, and Kofi would say them in, I think, a way. Uh, and so we always had somebody interpreting because we would speak English, and whether it was Day or whether it was Kofi, uh, sometimes Akalo, uh, somebody would be interpreting for us so that the, the, the people who were listening could understand what we were saying. It's, it's a real challenge sometimes because you can't get an entire thought out. You can get so much of the thought and then you get interrupted by them, you know, saying, or something like that. And then you'd have to think, now where was I? So it's, it's a challenge. I wrote mine out, kept my finger moving along the page so I knew where I stopped. But uh, we did these seminars uh, where we encouraged and preached and prayed and, and uh, did our best to, to strengthen. Uh, we did that in Kara and Atapame and Lome and Palame and Vogon. <coughs> this, this was taken over in Palame. And this is the group of, of evangelists. Some of these are, are uh, students at uh, a preacher training school in Palame. Uh, some of them are, are uh, evangelists. There's, there's Wendell, of course, and then the strange white guy in the back. Uh, there's Rochelle, sort of in the, the middle. We had pretty good turnout. This was, was one... Uh, taken up in Kara, and you can see the, the the building there is a little more primitive. So you 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 had this this range of buildings that you might be in, but in every case the people are eager to preach the word of God, and they all have dreams that they think that we sit on a bucket of money then we can just dip our hands in the bucket of money and fulfill all their uh, dreams we don't uh, we're trying to explain that to them uh, we're trying to get them to use the resources that they have more and more uh, to think about things in a in a sustaining way uh, and to realize that as they grow and we, we diminish at the same time, that you know, there's, there's a, a supply and demand curve that's, that's going to be a problem. <clears throat> First Sunday that I was there, I preached at, at Nkafu Church, which is the, the largest of the churches in Lome. The second Sunday, I went up to, to Bolomoji, uh, which is in... Chevy, which is about 35 kilometers uh, to the north of Lome. It took us about an hour to get there. Uh, Akalo is the minister there. And if you look, that's, that's Jeremy. <laughs> and if you look, uh, this, is, this is what I was wearing uh, underneath it. 
uh, and then I'm, I'm there at the back. That's some of the church leaders. This is inside of Olomoji Church, and they, you see they've got mostly very comfortable chairs uh, with backs on them as opposed to the, the less comfortable benches. <coughs> on uh, our first Saturday there, we went out uh, to a rural school, which is at Yobo. Uh, the Nkafu brothers operate the school. It's a middle school. <coughs> Grades, I don't know, around six, seven, eight, five, six, seven, somewhere in, in, in that range. It's a little hard to, to always know exactly theirs versus ours. Uh, chalkboard. Uh, the desks are simple wooden benches. I did not see anything that looked like a library. I did not see anything that, that looked like the accoutrements that we would have. Uh, they do it all with a, with a chalkboard and uh, <clears throat> very simple, tin roof, open air, sides. Uh, schooling is, ed education is an important thing. Uh, a lot of people in the rural areas have a hard time having access to education. The government's working really hard to make sure that there's primary education up through about grade five, but even then, a lot of, a lot of the kids have to work the fields, that sort of thing. Uh, it's our understanding that most of the, the women 30 and up don't read because they've never had the chance to go to school. And so a lot of what is uh, transmitted is transmitted orally to them. It's, it's not so much, you know, <clears throat> pick up your Bible and, and read. It's what, what are you hearing? And, and maybe that's kind of similar to what we saw in Scripture when Paul said, you know, the women should ask their husband at home because in the first century, very few of the women were educated as well. Uh, but we see that situation. This is a co-ed school. It's got both boys and girls. Uh, the big project for this one has been to build a latrine, a restroom for it. And it's got a restroom for the guys and restroom for the girls. It needs, a, a, I, I think it's got one fixture on each side, but it's got space for, for more. And they need to finish it out, do that sort of thing. We did seminars for both the men and the women. This is a seminar for the, for the guys. Rochelle got to do a seminar for the ladies. Had about 35 at, at each one of those. Uh, that was on the, the second Saturday that we were in uh, Africa that we did that. They were in different, uh, the ladies were over at Nkafu Church, the guys were over at Hedronable Church, uh, but uh, not too far apart on those. <coughs> Future directions for Togo. There's, there's three new preaching schools in Togo and one of them is down here at Nuepe and one of them is in the middle there at 
Atapame, and the newest one is uh, right here at Sakota. <coughs> Three new preaching schools. And my initial thing was to say, why in the world do you need that? Because there was a nice preaching school over in Medellin. There's a nice preaching school in Palame. Why do we need three? Well, it turns out that there's this group out of Northeast Texas that is really, really intent on evangelization. And they have been working on the east side of Ghana, just, just across the border, for about 20 years planting churches. They've got a nice preaching school over there. <clears throat> they have just about saturated that portion of Ghana. And one of their evangelists has family in Togo. And he says, we need to go do this in Togo. And so three times a year, they take a, a group of people for the purpose of village evangelism. They're not working in the city, they're working in the village. They're trying to, to reach people who have never heard about Jesus. You know, <coughs> the, they, they've got a goal to plant 100 or more new churches in the next five years in Togo. That's a lot of growth. It's a lot of growth. And we already have at this point a little over 100 churches in Togo, about 75 to 80 evangelists that are currently working. And many of the ones that are there uh, at this point are ones that, that you've been supporting for those several decades. Uh, but it's going to grow and it's going to grow rapidly. And Karen and I met with uh, Doc Turk and his wife, Patsy. And they live in Longview, Texas. And Doc is one of the leaders of this group of, of Texans that's going over three times a year. They're the ones that have built these new preaching schools. And he says, we did it because you can't just baptize people you've got to provide a support system. Amen. And the support system is in the churches. So they've got money to build church buildings and, and money, not, not a lot of money to support uh, preachers because there's, that, that adds up in a hurry. But they are working to do that. And so <clears throat> they started down here at Nuepi. Uh They baptized around 500 people in the villages around the central part of Togo in campaigns in September and February and June. Planted 21 churches out of that 500 people that are baptized. And they've got 50 people in the preaching school in that pipeline to, to go out into those churches. A lot of growth, a lot of growth. The last thing I'm gonna do here with you is challenges and opportunities. <clears throat> Many evangelists don't have support. 
to my way of thinking, we need more tent makers, more people who can support themselves. One of the good things I'm seeing in these preaching schools that the, the Texans are, are building, they've got a weekend program. They've got a daytime program, five days a week. They've got a weekend program, Saturday, Sunday. The weekend program are for the people who are already working, have jobs, supporting their family, can't, can't set that aside to go. But they'll learn what they need to do if they can keep their jobs and, and preach in the churches and, and do some of that. It'll be a, we'll, we'll get some tent makers. <clears throat> but we still need to do some continuing support. We, we need these churches to become self-sustaining, to develop internal leadership. There's one church out of those hundred that has elders. They appointed the elders in 2014, five years ago. One church out of 100, actually it's more than 100, with elders. And we were encouraging those brothers Develop the leaders, find the leaders within your churches, develop them. Uh, you, you need the internal leadership of things. To recognize the resources that they have, I used a passage out of Romans 12 where it talks about the gifts that are given to us. <clears throat> Those gifts are not the, the gifts that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians, the gifts of tongues and healings and things like that. These are the gifts of teaching and exhorting and giving and serving those gifts. And they need to find the people who have those gifts and develop those. Uh, evangelists often serve more than one church and they need transportation. And in, the, in Togo, the primary transportation is called a moto, motorcycle. What are the opportunities? The people of Togo are ready for the gospel. There's about 8 million people. If you look at the official estimates, it'll say 44% are Christian and 14% Muslim, Islam. The problem is that a good fraction of those who have, are, are supposedly practicing either Christianity or Islam are still practicing animism they, they haven't yet left put aside all that uh, Doc Turk and his people are trying to reach the people who are animistic and convert them to Jesus Christ not convert them to a church but convert them to a savior They're ready. They're in rural areas. Direct evangelism works very well. Radio works very well. <sighs> what do you have that's limited in the rural areas? Education and healthcare. Those, those are areas that I see the church can develop schools and clinics and reach people using those as, as outreach mechanisms. Uh, I, I think that'll be something that we need to explore significantly in the coming days. Uh, well, that's all I've got for tonight. Uh, I would, <coughs> that's, that's our 
our final slide there. If you want to, you want to give money to us, we'll take it. You know, <laughs> always, we'll always take money. Uh, it's a work that's overseen by this congregation. The elders have been very, very supportive of it, and I thank, I thank them for the time to spend with you tonight. I'm, I'm going to say, if if you got a question, I'll, I'll take two questions right now. And then we got to do an invitation song. But if, if you have a question, somebody else has that same question, so go ahead and ask it. Good. They have a lot of cell phones. Yes. He was holding a cell phone. Uh, and, and the cell phone is pretty much ubiquitous. I think the government subsidizes those because the government doesn't really want to string wires through, through those. So the cell phone has become the, the communication form of choice in developing countries. Very much so. What else? Jeremy, I don't have a good answer for that. Uh, we saw clearly uh, uh, most of the people in the in the preacher schools tend to be younger. Uh, although I did not see the ones that are in the weekend program, which I would assume would be a little bit older. They tend to have families, that sort of thing. Uh, the ones, the, the the typical preacher training school person has been younger because they don't have the obligations but I think I think they're trying uh, especially with the weekend program to to bring in some people of the of the middle years let me call it that uh, the the people in the villages tend to be older people and so um, I, I think I think that there's kind of a, a mixture. What I see are are reports that say we got we got 12 men, we got 15 women, we got 35 children, uh, and so we have you know 55 people that attend church on on Sunday. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, most of them half or more are are children, and I don't know the ages of the the men and women. Bolomoji, I. I saw a group of eight to maybe 10 teenage age people, uh, but not so many young families, although I, I did see some, some little babies. So um, obviously somebody's still having children there. Um, but I, I'd say the village churches are probably more of the uh, 45 and up and then the, the children who haven't left home yet uh, yeah 
Actually, they're starting to do some of this. The question was, are there programs for the women? And, and the answer is yes. Uh, just as uh, Rochelle did a seminar for the women, there was uh, in June a big seminar for women at the Noepi School. Uh, and uh, I think the number of women that were there was like 275, something like that. Noepi is fairly close to Lome, so the Lome people could get there. Uh, I saw in a report that 70 women from the Palome area went down to it. It, it, was, a, it was a big thing. The, the person who was spearheading that uh, <coughs> is native uh, Togolese. Her brother runs, is, is director of the school at Noepi, which is the reason I think that she could get access to that. Uh, she has spent time in Lubbock uh, and uh, has worked with the Sunset people on that. Um, she's also spent a decade or so in Paris. Uh, so, but, but she, she sees this, this need for uh, things with the women. The other thing I saw this time that I wasn't aware of earlier is that while the adults are having their Bible class in the first hour or so of, of assembly, uh, some of the women are taking the, the younger kids out and teaching them. So we're starting to see children's classes, uh, which I think is, is a good thing. Yeah. There, there, there's, there's a secondary school now that corresponds to our high school years. And so they have, they have primary, which is uh, equivalent to our elementary. And then they have college, which is the middle school. And then they have lycee, which is the, the, the high school, the secondary school. And so the, the problem is that the, the Lyceum, the Lycee, is fairly rare. So uh, one of the people that was with us said, I lived in this location, but I, I went to, the, to high school in this other place, which was some distance away. And that makes it a bit more challenging. And, and you know, your parents have to, to pay some fees to put you in school, that sort of thing. So uh, I, I think the government is pushing really hard to get everybody into the, those first few grades, but it, it gets thinner and thinner as you go to the higher grades and especially in the rural areas. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> we always we always offer an invitation. This has not been a, a, a sermon to convict you of your need for Jesus. It's been to share with you what I've seen in, in being in Togo for those two weeks. But if you have 
particular need uh, while, uh, wait a minute, it's not Connor, it's Chad, <laughs> Lisa. <laughs> yeah, I'll be in trouble, won't I? <laughs> while Chad leads us an invitation, make that need known to us. <laughs> 